Uh, we're kind of changing pace just a little bit. We're really only going to be focusing in on three verses right here at the end of chapter 2. And, and one commentator actually has said that this, this passage that we're looking at is kind of like the hinge of the book of Exodus. Everything kind of swings and changes here. So far, uh, let's be honest, the story has been pretty awful. There's, there's been uh, oppression and slavery and death and genocide and, and humiliation. I mean, the, the people of Israel need help. And I don't know if you've noticed this, uh, but up until this point in the book, um, really, there's nowhere that seems to be uh, uh, talking about what God has been up to. Have you noticed that? Nowhere yet has there been an explicitly stated action of God. Now, now we know that he's been at work. We know he's been uh, working uh, kind of behind the scenes, but on the surface, it really seems like he's kind of been silent, like he's been absent. Well, all of that is about to change, and we're going to see uh, God getting involved here to really help his people. Now, uh, we oftentimes need help. And when you need help, um, you really want to take your concerns to someone who is uh, first capable of, of uh, doing something about it, uh, but you also want to find somebody who cares enough to do something about it. Now, I think this is probably dangerous for me to ask, but how many of you have ever had a bad experience with customer service? Has this ever happened? Okay, like universal, we all get this. We already, I don't know whether it was on the phone, whether you were in the store, you, maybe something wasn't working right, you needed to return something, or, or you had a question, or you were looking for something, and you were asking somebody for help, and it became increasingly obvious that the person that you were talking to can't help. And, or, or worse, they don't want to help. Has this ever happened? Where, where like they kind of look at you and kind of like roll their eyes and, and, and take a big deep sigh and, you know, they kind of like, uh, you know, muttering and, and you see this like irritable tone in them. It's like making it super obvious that not only is your problem not worth their time, but pretty much your entire existence is a nuisance to them. You ever felt like that? And, and not everybody can be Chick-fil-A where they take care of everything with a smile and a you know, my pleasure. We have no idea what they're saying about us when they go in the back room, but at least on the outside, it kind of seems like they really do care and want to help. But sometimes we need help, but what do you do when you really need help? I mean, sometimes the, 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 the struggles that we're in cut so deep and, and the urgency of our need is so great that we're just desperately crying out to God to rescue us from the pain and the injustice that you feel. And, and the question that I want to look at this morning is, what do we know about God? What do we know about Him that would give us any hope that He's going to do something to help? In fact, I want to give you a big idea of this text before we uh, drunk, jump into it. Note this. God knows what we're going through. And he cares when we're crying out for help. I hope that's an encouragement to you. Because if he really does care, then it gives us the encouragement that we're not alone. He, he knows what's going on, and he does care. And, and that if God cares, then there's the assurance that somebody knows that can do something about it. Uh, let me show that to you. Exodus chapter 2, we're really just looking at a few verses here, starting at verse 23, right at the end of the chapter. 
It says this, and during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. Now watch this. This is awesome. God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Lord, I just love you for that. That we are so often find ourselves in the uh, in a bind, struggle, in pain, questions. And you are intimately acquainted with every hair on our head, so you obviously know what's going on. Nothing catches you by surprise. And the fact that, that you, the, the, the one who has created all things, this holy God, would care about us. And that you would care enough to do something and step in and help. And so, Lord, I, I know that some of us are coming with struggles that we've had. And, Lord, we're, we're asking for things. We're asking for you to do something. And I just thank you for the, the assurance that you can give us as we really lift our eyes again and get vertical and look at you and, and see that you are a great and glorious God who loves us and who cares enough to do something about the struggles that we're in, and so I, I thank you for that. I pray that you'd reassure us and you'd comfort us, and Lord, that, that as you have been to us, we want to be to others, and the care and the love of Christ would help us to live sent so that others would know you and love you. Thank you that you speak to us. I, I pray that you would really fill us with your spirit so that we would be obedient to these things and that we would know you and love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, um, we got a little context here. Verse 23 um, is kind of reminding us. He says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. Like you, you, you remember last week, we left Moses out in the wilderness in Midian. Remember that? Because Moses, back in Egypt, had actually uh, killed, he murdered a, an Egyptian. And so Pharaoh wanted to kill him. And so now he's on the run and he's out in Midian living as a fugitive. But, but verse 23 is, this is kind of like him saying like, Meanwhile, back in Egypt, like don't forget about that situation, the fact that the, the, the people of Israel are, are living in slavery. And he tells us that Pharaoh died. Now, if you're living in slavery, that might be good news. I mean, honestly, this, this, this guy has been evil. Uh, he hates uh, the children of Israel, and, and he's kind of uh, ordered this mass genocide, or at least the attempt of it to take these people out. And so, hey, we're getting a new pharaoh in that. Uh, maybe this new pharaoh uh, will kind of uh, change his tone a little bit, and he won't be so harsh, and he won't be so cruel, and, 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 and he'll ease up a little bit. He won't be so rough. Uh, but apparently, that's not what happens. Apparently nothing's changed. In fact, it might have even gotten worse because now uh, the text says they're to the point where the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. That, that word means they're just vocalizing their, their pain and discomfort. I mean, just imagine the noise that, that you would make if you were being whipped and you were being beaten. Okay, okay, the word is actually like, like the grimace or the groan that you would hear coming out of somebody who uh, broke a bone in their leg. 
You just imagine the, the, the excruciating pain and, and the agonizing horror there. Like, that's, that's what's going on here. They're just hurting, and they're tired of it. In fact, Proverbs 29 says that when the wicked rule, the people groan. This is what happens when you're living in a, a world of, of brokenness because of sin. And sometimes the pain and the suffering that you're in is not because of consequences of your own sin. It's not really uh, something that you did. You're actually the victim of injustice or, or cruelty and, and oppression. There's the children of Israel, and the text says that they're crying out for help. And that's not like, um, you know, just casually asking for assistance in customer service. Like, you know, no rush, but... But 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 if you get around to it, if you get if you get a chance, if you could if you could help me out, that no no no, this is this is like I can't take it anymore. Somebody please help. And this gives us the first of three encouraging truths about God. Okay, if you're taking notes, note this: God hears our cries for help. I love that. I love what he says, verse 23. He says that their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. I want you to notice there's a scene change there. Scene change, okay? First scene, scene number one we saw in in chapter one was the people of Israel living in Egypt under slavery. The second scene that we saw at the beginning of chapter two is Moses living out in the wilderness while God is teaching him and kind of humbling him there. Now this new scene takes us into the throne room of Almighty God in heaven. We're we're, we're directing our eyes upward and and we're going to see some important theology that I think is going to be incredibly encouraging Uh, For those of us, when we see uh, God's people are living in a mess down here. Really what we're doing is we're just looking to know who is God. That's what we want to know. Who is this God? And the thing that he tells us is our God is a God who hears us. He's listening. Like, I know he's got a ton going on. Like, he's, he's, he's got a lot of things going on. But even in the midst of this, when you, are, when you are crying out, when you are in need, God is listening. He's paying attention, and he's not distracted. I mean, think about the fact that how many people do you think right now, at this instant, are, like, praying to God uh, around the world at, at, at this moment? Like, okay, lots of things are going on, lots of problems, and God is actually listening and paying attention to all of them. That, it shocks me because I have four kids, and when all four of them start talking at the same time, you can just imagine the volume just kind of increases, and I, I kind of lose my mind. I'm like, time out. This is it's too loud. It's too crazy. Like, like I, I, I can't handle all of this all at the same time. Well, God wants us all to pray, and apparently that's not a problem for him. He can handle all of our prayers, all of our cries for help, and at the same time, he can hear them. My beautiful, wonderful wife, Carissa, who's uh, back serving in kids today, um, she has a superpower. And, and, and um, she has this, I don't know how, like it's, it's fascinating to me. Uh, she has this ability um, to hear and process multiple conversations at one time. And, and, and we've, uh, oftentimes this will happen when we go out to a restaurant. And I think early on, you know, in our marriage, I, I, I 
is a little more sensitive, and I got kind of offended. Now I just think it's kind of cool, and, and I, don't, I just don't get it. I don't know how she is able to, while I'm talking to her, she can repeat back everything that I've just said to her and tell me what that dude just ordered over there and the fact that that couple in the back is, is about to get engaged. Like, I have no idea how she is able to handle all of these things, and she hears it all at one time. I, on the other hand, have a hard time with one conversation at a time. My poor wife, it happened, I think it happened at least twice this week, where we had a conversation that went something like this. She started telling me, like, yeah, we, we talked about that yesterday. And in my mind, I'm thinking, there's no way we talked about it. Like, I do not remember hearing this at all. She's like, yeah, like, you even responded? Like, we had a conversation back and forth. I'm like, Ugh. Praise God, he's not like that. He's paying attention. Praying and crying out to God is not like trying to talk to somebody who is uh, texting while they're talking to you. You ever had this experience, right? And they're kind of looking, looking down at their phone, and every once in a while they look back up and they kind of shake their head. Yeah, you're like, do, do, I, do I need to wait here? It's like, are, are, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm paying attention. Like, not paying attention, right? Here, here's the crazy thing. When, when, when God uh, hears our cries for help, he pulls up a chair, and he's like, come on, talk to me. Like, I'm listening. What, what, what do you got going on? Is that crazy? And, and, and over and over in Scripture, it actually attests this. I want to I read some of this. Psalms uh, tell us that the Lord hears when I call to Him. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. But, but truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. The Lord hears the needy. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Even in the New Testament, He says, this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. Is that not awesome? Here's, here's the deal. You're, you're praying and you're, you're, you're asking God for help. And I know that other people are, but you don't have to pray louder and try to pray over that guy. And, and you don't have to do something crazy to try to get God's attention. The minute that you are opening up your mouth to cry out to him, he is listening. He is zoned in. He pulls up a chair to sit next to you, and he is not distracted. What's even better is that he's not bothered. There's never going to be a time where God doesn't have time for you. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I am kind of, you know, ruling the universe. I have a, thing, a few things going on. That doesn't happen with God. Do you remember um, when you were little and you needed help from your dad and, uh, and, and so you asked him for something and, and he would turn to you and say something like, yeah, 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 just a minute. What, 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 what would you do in that moment when you were a kid? One, two, three, four, five, sixty! Dad, it's time! And that always went over so well, didn't it? It just worked like that. Moms, how do you feel uh, when your kids are coming to you? Mom, 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 mom. What's crazy is God actually invites that. Well, I, I've shared this with you before, but I think about the, uh, the story that Jesus tells, this, this parable uh, that he tells about the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. 
It's one of the most shocking stories in all of the Bible because Jesus tells us about this, this persistent widow who comes to a judge because she needs justice, and so she just keeps coming and asking and asking and asking, and eventually, here's what the judge says. He says, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. What's shocking, what's crazy about that is God's like, yeah, I want you to pray to me like that. Come on. I'm here. I am listening. Come talk to me. I am ready to answer you. And he invites us to cry to him when we are in need. Whether, whether you're hurting because you have something going on today that is outside of your control and, and you have become the victim of some sort of injustice or whether you're in a mess of your own making, he is welcoming you to come and talk to him. And he hears us. Not only that, he's not just distracted and, and not just uh, not bothered, but he's not unaware either. And rest assured that by the time you're coming to talk to him, you're not telling him anything that he doesn't already know. He, our, our God is omniscient. He knows everything. And so he's, not, he's never shocked. He's never taken off guard like, oh, wow, I did. I, I didn't realize it was that bad. He knows. And he's never lost control for one second. And so our cries for help are, are really just our confession of how much we need him. I know that um, when we are hurting, when we are in a really tough spot, we, we want an answer like now. I want, I want just, I want to get relief from this like immediately. God, just do it. Like, can I can I tell you what I what I see happening here is that we never know what God has already been up to. I I think it's interesting the way this is written because it's actually a, a kind of a story sandwich here in Exodus. Uh, think about this. In, in between Israel's oppression and slavery that we saw in chapter 1 and then their cry for help here in the end of chapter 2, in between that is the story of Moses' birth and God's humbling as he's teaching him. So that by the time his people are crying out for rescue, God has already been preparing his deliverer. I don't know what it is that you're struggling with, that you, you've been asking for help. You have no idea what God has already been up to. And if you are struggling, if you are hurting, you can cry out today, right now, with this confidence that you have the attention of the creator of the universe and that the one who is, is working all things together in his sovereignty for his glory and our joy is listening. He's paying attention to you because he hears our cries for help. But here's the second encouraging truth I think we see. Note this. God remembers his promises. Verse 24 tells us that God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that's just uh, connecting the book of Exodus to the book of 
Genesis. And in Genesis, we got this Abrahamic covenant, this promise that God had made. In fact, we saw that at the beginning of chapter 1 and verse 7 when we saw the, the people were increasing greatly and they're multiplying. That was just the fulfillment of the promise that God had made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15 where he took them outside and he said, I want you to look up at the stars. You see all that? Can you count those? That's what your descendants are going to be. God's already been doing this. But, but here he says that, that God remembers that he made a covenant. And, and remember is not that like God was walking past his fridge and saw a sticky note or, or that he got a notification on his phone. He's like, oh, I was supposed to be taking care of these people. No, the, the, he remembers there because he's bringing to mind as the reason that he's going to take action. See, the reason that we are going to see God act powerfully and rescue his people out of slavery in Egypt is because they are his people. Because he made a covenant. He made promises with Abraham and his family. Now here's the deal. I know that uh, covenant is kind of like an old-fashioned word. It's not something that maybe you throw around a whole lot. And uh, so I think I want to make sure that we kind of understand what this is, okay? A covenant, the emphasis is on a relationship. It's a relationship but it's a relationship with legal promises that have been made. And in this case, that really bind God and his people together. But it's a relationship. So, so one of the best examples of this, um, because it is a covenant, is, is marriage, right? Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is not like dating. Okay, When, when, when you're dating, uh, you're just kind of, yeah, let's see how this goes. Um, you know, we'll try this out for a little while and, and, and see what happens. And, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go on some dates. We'll go out to the movies and stick popcorn in each other's mouth or, or sit at home texting each other for hours while we're sitting next to each other on the couch. Like, I don't know how you do it these days. But we're just, we're just seeing if this is okay, seeing what's going to happen in this. But, but the minute that she starts to cramp my style or the minute that I find out he picks his nose, I'm out. I ain't sticking around for that. Like, I'm not interested, not, not doing it. But, but those of you that have actually uh, gotten married, right, it's a little different. You made a commitment with promises that you are going to pursue one another for a lifetime, even if they lose their hair and pick their nose. Thank you, Lord. In sickness and in health, till death, do us part. And you even made it legal in the eyes of the state by, by, by signing this document, right? Like you had to sign a marriage license, and this, and, and this document is really a sign of the covenant that you were making together. But here's the deal. The reason that we stick together is not because we have this piece of paper that says that I have to. The piece of paper is just a, it's a sign of my commitment to this relationship. That I love Carissa and I want to pursue what we have together. That's what we see God doing here. That he's pursuing his relationship with the children of Israel and he's remembering the promises that he made to Abraham and his descendants. In fact, I know we've already looked at this, but I want you to see it again in Genesis chapter 15, okay? I've got this for you on the screen. Here, here's where God uh, brought Abraham out. He, he wants to show him how he's going to uh, uh, make his descendants like the stars in the sky. And then God enters into this covenant with him, and he makes this promise. Here's what he said. Know for certain 
that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. And so here's, here's we've, we've been looking at Exodus chapter 1. Now we finally get to Exodus chapter 2 and start to see God stirring to action to rescue his people. And the reason he's doing that is because he has made promises to them because he loves them. And when God makes promises, he's faithful. And he remembers them. See, God chose this people, and he actually told Abraham uh, that he was going to, uh, through them, he was going to bless the nations. And we see the fulfillment of that then in Christ. That it was through his family that God sent Jesus as a descendant of Abraham, not to be just the Savior for the Jews, but to really be the Savior for the world. So Jesus is the fulfillment of this covenant that is moving God to action here, which is why Paul says God is faithful for all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. That's why through Him we utter our amen to God for His glory. So what we're seeing here is that God is being faithful to the children of Israel by rescuing them out of slavery in Egypt, which really, again, points us to a greater salvation that, that, that we are rescued out of slavery to sin and death. And so what we do is we look back to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus as proof that God is faithful to us. He is faithful to the promises that he has made to us. You know what this means? This means that when you are praying, when you are crying out to God, think about this right now, the things that you're wrestling with, as you go to the Lord in prayer, you can bank on these promises, that he has promised that he is going to be with you, that he hears you, that he is working all things together for your good because he is going to make you more like his son Jesus, that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, that he is coming again to restore all things, and then he's going to take you to live with him for all of eternity where there will be no more tears and you will experience inexpressible joy in his glorious presence. And and it's not just a a, a promise for the future, but he says, even now you can taste and see that the Lord is good and experience his joy in his presence and know that his mercies are new every morning and God has made promises to you because he loves you and he never, ever, ever, ever breaks his promises. God remembers. He's a good God, isn't he? And we're seeing some really good things about the Lord. But here's another encouraging truth we see. One last note this. It's that God cares about us personally. I know it seems like that's just kind of like building on what we've already seen, but I want you to notice verse 25. Are you looking at it? Verse 25, we've got a couple more action verbs here. It says that God saw. But God saw somebody. Who, who, who did he see? Do you see it? Who did he see? He saw the people of Israel. 
Remember, these, these promises that he'd made, it's not just because he made the promises to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob. Like, the only reason I'm doing it is because I told those guys back then that I would, and so now I'm just finally getting around to it. No, he is looking at the people right here living in Egypt, suffering under oppression and slavery, and the text said that God sees them, and God knows because he cares specifically for these people personally because he knows them and he knows what they're going through. They are his people. He's committed himself to them in love and he sees their suffering and that suffering of his people moves him then to action. So so we just saw uh, four action verbs uh, of God in the text. But I want you to notice that before every single one of those action verbs, he doesn't use a pronoun. Did you notice that? It's kind of weird. Um, normally, like once you've um, presented a subject, you don't have to keep repeating it. You replace it with a, with a pronoun. You get that, right? Like, like the only time you really see this is when you're uh, reading one of your kids' books when they're trying to learn how to read. It's like, John can run. John can jump. John can walk. Like, you see that? So normally it was like, that's super awkward. Why can't we just replace it uh, with a pronoun? Like, John can run, and he can jump, and he can walk. And, but that's not what happens in the Hebrew. Here in the Hebrew, it's actually repeating the name Elohim. What it's telling you is God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew. He's repeating it to emphasize that God is personally and directly involved with his people. And man, that ought to blow us away when we realize that the God of the universe cares about us and takes the time to be personally involved when we are in need. This is why David says in, in Psalm 8, he says, when, when, when I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, well, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You ever done that? You ever, you ever walked outside and, and stood under the stars and just considered the, the vastness of the universe and, and the magnitude of it? And you can kind of picture in your mind just how small the earth is and then you remember where you're at on that and you just get this sense of your, your smallness and, and your own insignificance in the grand scheme of things and yet God cares about you personally. That's awesome. And so if you are hurting, whatever the struggle is that you are going through right now, do you know no one, no one cares more than your heavenly father? There's not a friend on earth who cares more than he does. He sees and he knows. And he actually invites us to, to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. When God sees his people suffering and in need, he is moved with compassion. There's actually one more thing I want you to notice here. I don't think we, we would be doing justice to Exodus chapter 1 and 2 if we just spiritualized all of this. Okay? Because I want you to remember that the, these, these acts of violence really happened in history. 
that, that the people of Israel are victims of injustice. They didn't deserve to be treated like this. And they're experiencing hatred and racism and physical oppression and attempted genocide. And God cares about that too. His concern is not only for their spiritual deliverance. He's looking at their physical deliverance too. In fact, Psalm 103 tells us that the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. So here's what this means for us. Because a concern for the victims of injustice is on the heart of God, it has to be on the heart of his people too. I know we look at this and we think, this is a different time, this is a different context, different culture. I don't know that we see this around us. But can you consider for just a moment something like human trafficking? Human trafficking is modern-day slavery. And you know where it's happening? Right here in Northern Virginia. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Does that move us? Do, Do you know what's going on with your neighbors, the people that you live around, do you know the things that they're struggling with? Now, sometimes I think we need to be reminded because maybe we don't always see it that the victims of domestic violence and sexual abuse are all around us. And because we are loved, we love. And we do that by caring for the victims of injustice. Dr. Tony Morita said it this way, that justice is love going public. If we really love people, we will tell them the gospel while we care for their physical needs. He says we need both evangelism and social action. Which is what gets me excited about what we're doing right now. We're actually, uh, many of you know, we're even now starting to prepare for Go Beyond in July. Man, we got some exciting things that we're looking forward. Go Beyond is our opportunity to really just uh, invest and get other people serving and want to help out our community. We want this to be a great place to live. And so what we're doing in Go Beyond is actually uh, trying to unleash the creativity and passion that's in your small groups. We're telling our small groups, like right now, we're starting to plan. What, are, what, 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 can, what, what can we do? What's a, what's a project? What's a service thing that we can do in our community? So I just want to think, I know you're planning right now in the next couple of weeks. Can I just encourage you, would you think about this? Would, would, would we let what we're seeing, the, the awfulness of what we've seen here in Exodus, kind of move our hearts and be willing to just ask, like, where is that? What, what, what's happening? I know sometimes it's, we don't necessarily recognize it. We can't always see the signs and we don't know where it is and we don't know what to do. And so there's organizations that we can partner with that can help us to see these things. But would you just be willing to look around and, and ask, like, how, how can we help? How can we show that we care? Because we want to stand against injustice and see victims delivered and find protection and alleviate their suffering while we're pointing them to the Savior. But people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care.
And the reason we care is because God cares. So I would say that if you are suffering as a victim of injustice, I I hope that this is really lifting your eyes to see that God really does care about you. And would you let us help? We'd love to help you. And do whatever we can as well. Sometimes we just need help. Sometimes we need help because of the consequences of our own sin. We're in a mess of our own making. And even then, God sees, he knows, and he cares. Because look at what he's done for you. The same God here in Exodus chapter 2 is the God that would send his own son as the ultimate demonstration of his compassion and his care that he would die on a cross for you. As if we hear anything, what we're trying to do is just get our eyes on God and the minute we look to him, here's what he's telling us and I hope you never get tired of hearing these words. You are loved. Father, I thank you. We've, we've seen some awful things. And I know that there are people right now experiencing brokenness and pain and suffering and injustice. And I'm thankful that those things break your heart too. I'm thankful that you are aware, that you know, that you see it, and that you care You care enough to step in and do something about it that you have done something about it in the person of Jesus Christ. We give you glory for that. Lord, we're singing this morning that we want you to fill us with your heart and lead us in love to those around us. And there are those that, that need help. There are those that need believers who will demonstrate the love of Christ and take the hope of the gospel into a broken world. I pray that you would use us. And God, we're opening ourselves up. We want to submit to you. We'll go where you want us to go because we're convinced that the world needs Jesus. So we give you great praise for that. Thank you that you are faithful to your promises we can hold on to those. I pray that we would do that even now as we lift high the name of Jesus in worship. And it's in in your son's precious name that we pray these things.